Let's return now to the situation in Turkey and joining us live from Gaziantep is CNN's Becky Anderson. Becky, thank you for joining us. We were watching one of your earlier reports where there was a mother waiting desperately hoping that her daughter would be rescued from the rubble. Can you tell us a little bit about that and whether they are still finding survivors? That is at the site that we are at now. We're 50 hours in uh, to this search and rescue operation now. It is just after 8 o'clock in the morning. Of course, the quake hit at 4.15 Monday morning. And that site is still a search and rescue site. So in and of itself, that is miraculous because it's minus 6 here. Um, And those rescuers that have been at that site are still working. They have been working for 50 hours. Uh, That lady... Uh, We haven't seen her um, since, I'm afraid. But I can tell you, uh, and we are trying to locate her, what I can tell you is a site that her relatives uh, were buried under is still a live site. What we do know uh, is that there is at least one uh, gentleman with his three kids and wife who are buried in a void under that site. And you'll have seen that site um, and your, uh, your listeners will have seen it or your listeners will have heard about it. Um, it's a completely collapsed building. But as we understand it, there is a void that rescuers have been able to uh, at least hear and send people in. Not only that, that chap that I was just telling you about has actually been able to contact rescuers by cell phone. And that was only about four hours ago. So... They continue in what are these bitterly cold conditions uh, with this search and rescue before it becomes recovery in order to ensure that anybody left under that rubble, and this is reflected across this region, across hundreds of kilometres, similar sites where these rescue operations go on until they are absolutely exhausted uh, by uh, any opportunity to find anybody alive. Becky, thousands of people are dead, but there are tens of thousands of people who have been injured. So where are they going and how are the medical teams and hospitals coping? Um, As well as they can. Um, There are hospitals in cities like this, Gaziantep, which is a relatively new uh, city, a relatively robust city as far as its buildings are concerned. Uh, Not all of it has been affected. The hospitals here are functioning. There are field hospitals being set up in other places. I flew in. I I normally live and broadcast um, from Abu Dhabi in the UAE, and we flew in with their aid flights, for example. On that flight were ambulances and search and rescue vehicles, and on the flight after us, coming from Abu Dhabi, there was a field hospital that will be assembled by uh, the military, by the Dubai police, and by the Red Crescent. Uh, the Emirates Red Crescent. And again, that will be happening uh, across many of the teams who are coming in um, from the international space. There are about about 70 countries at this point who are sending teams with that sort of equipment. So that field hospital, uh, as we understand it, is getting set up now, and that will help, because you're right to point out it's not just those that we hope will still be recovered, uh, but you have to worry about the risk of hypothermia at this point, Uh, but it's those who have been injured, and they are in the tens of thousands at this point, um, and they are in areas 
like I say, that don't have functioning hospitals that you and I would consider functioning, uh, coming from you know, New Zealand or where I come from in Abu Dhabi. And that is particularly prescient in northwest Syria, of course, uh, an area that is so, so blighted uh, by poverty, so blighted by uh, this more than a decade of conflict. It's areas like that you've got to spare a thought for at this point because the sort of emergency services, the sort of uh, access that people have to getting in here, they simply don't have in an area like northwest Syria. You mentioned the horrendous weather conditions and the freezing temperatures. What of the survivors, right, people who don't need medical care, who maybe have been displaced, their homes are destroyed, where are they living? Where are they sleeping? Where is the food coming from? I'm looking at a group of people here outside the site that I am um, who are from the building um, that is now um, completely um, destroyed. They are living here outside and they've been here for 50 hours around a fire and um, they have blankets that people have donated for them and again that is reflected up and down the street that i am in and across this entire region so that's that's one story uh the people are simply outside and, and, and i'm just looking at one older chap now uh, who has been basically in tears since we've been here for the last 24 hours um He's lost his family. Um, he's sitting just in a blanket. Uh, he hasn't moved. He's sitting around the fire, and people keep that fire stoked for him. Uh, but that is being reflected across this region. Other mosques, schools, um, President Erdogan has instructed that all um, hotels uh, in, the, in the tourist area uh, around the Mediterranean will be opened up um, for people who are injured and who need accommodation. So the efforts are being made, uh, but as you can imagine, it's not easy. Thank you, Becky. Some absolutely heartbreaking stories. We really appreciate your time. That is Becky Anderson, CNN International anchor there, joining us live from Turkey um, at a site there. She's near a building that's been basically pancaked as they're trying to rescue survivors.